So guys, um, so first of all, welcome to um, another edition of the, the Weird Human podcast, um, our 25th actually, so we've got some fantastic uh, guests again today. Uh, huge, as usual, I'm joined by the, uh, the brilliant uh, Dr. Anthony, but also um, today I'm joined by uh, the fantastic Dan Smith. I've known Dan for many, 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 many years, um, and we've worked together in different organizations around the world, which has been fantastic. Um, today's question, just to remind you guys, is really how can I be a better negotiator? And before we kind of tackle the question, um, I'd like to just remind you of one of the mission statements, really, for the, the Weird Human podcast. And that, that mission statement is really about exploring the extraordinary um, about the human beings who are around us. And that's a very, very important point. So it's about making you and really kind of bringing out the extraordinary of being a, a human being. So, so um, Darren, perhaps it'd be helpful for, for the people who are listening just to um, have a brief introduction from yourself. So we are MBM. We're also known as the Sticky Learning Guys. We're the guys who want to achieve behavioral change with you because we know that most people go on a one-day training course, come back and do nothing different. So we're the guys that ensure by prodding, poking, doing everything we can, you come back and be the very best version of yourselves. That's me, Anthony. And that is a great, that's a great introduction. Um, Dr. Anthony, I, gotta, I, I can't believe we, we did a, a show um, last week um, and that show actually had, um, had more than 11,000 views now. Um, so again, massive thanks to, uh, to Michelle. Um, that, was the, that was the one around kind of like uh, wealth coaches um, and kind of like tips around kind of money. So if you want to go back and look at the catalogue, um, that's an incredible episode. Um, and we also started to delve into kind of relationships and kind of what made relationships. And then, of course, that kind of took us into the, the path around negotiating, particularly between couples. Um, Dr. Um, Dr. Ante is obviously married to, to Dr. Michelle um, in the previous show. And we were basically then, I, I'm, I'm a, I was the first time I'd met um, his beautiful wife. And we obviously then started to explore kind of, you know, what made their relationship successful. And that um, kind of brought us to our conversation today. So if I can go back, so um, Dr. Anthony, um, love you, my friend. Well, I'm hope, I hope that Darren can actually <laughs> then teach me how to negotiate better. I mean, because there's one thing for certain, every man needs to know how to negotiate better because, man, you start six love. That's for sure. Darren, how do you negotiate? How do you negotiate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm starting to feel like I should have some awards on the wall like you've got because, wow, they're, they're, they're very impressive. Um the first thing that we need to do in answering that question is understand the difference between haggling and negotiation. Now, there are eight ways to solve a conflict. Haggling's one, negotiation's another. So, Andrew, I know you do this. You, you've been to the bazaar, the market stalls, and you've haggled for the Ray Bonds, and you started at 40 euros, didn't you? Uh, it was, it was, it, I, I mean, that's just an obscene amount of money for those. Uh, for the Ray. I'm, 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 I'm kind of more in the two euro um range to be fair Darren. <laughs> so we've all been there haven't we we're, we're trying to buy these ray bonds we're on holiday and the guy behind the stall starts at <clears throat> 40 euros we start at two and you meet somewhere in the middle a valid form of resolving a conflict but don't kid yourself that it's negotiating it is not it is haggling now if you get a chance andrew look up on google a monty python sketch about haggling it's really brilliant about how to do it so I love that. But let's come back to negotiating. First thing is to know the difference between the two. Yeah, and, I, and it's really fascinating because I, when I, um, 
as soon as you talk about the kind of you know the 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 friday market for me it was the friday market so we lived in q8 for a, a long time and brought my children up in q8 primarily and the the we had, there was a, a fantastic location called the friday market and there were lots of kind of ray bonds available um and oakley bonds and other kind of like uh, sunglasses let's put it that way and other kind of you know curious merchandise which was always quite fascinating the challenge i always had was that my my daughter was always too quick to kind of like share her position when she was negotiating. So she wanted to buy, you know, she had in her mind a particular pair of Ray-Bans. So she would kind of go into the market and she would find the, the you know, find the, the, the Ray-Bonds that she wanted. And then obviously start to salivate um, around these Ray-Bonds. And of course, my big concern around that was that as she was salivating, I was kind of watching the, the store owner who was also going, now I've, now I've got, I've got dad um, by the short and curlies. Um, it's actually, I can charge my 40, you know, my 40 kind of euros as opposed to the two euros for the Ray bonds. Um, and it's a nightmare. So I would have to then come discreetly um, grab my daughter and sort of take her away and say, we're going to have to find those Ray bonds on another store. Yeah, there were other stores, but it was often quite a pain finding them because she had a particular taste in Raybons. So then we'd, we would eventually find them. But I would say to her, whenever, when you go there, do not show your position. And I think that's a really, really important point. So I'm kind of curious, Dr. Anthony, to, to understand about kind of positional and why we shouldn't really be sort of showing our position when we're negotiating. Well, it's letting the cat out of the bag. I mean, no one actually goes in with a cat out of the bag up front. Negotiation is about getting to a point where both parties find an amicable agreement. And if you leave the cat out of the bag, that you have no back foot to actually reverse back onto. So it is a gift, it is a skill, and it can be learned. And that's why we're speaking to the master, Darren himself. So Darren, uh, talking about negotiation, how do you negotiate with a five-year-old? They have their own way and they want it their way. Is there any negotiation? You tell us. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you some great advice here. <laughs> oh, thank you. Now, bear in mind, Dr. Anthony, I've been negotiating and teaching for 30 years, and I used to run a billion-pound portfolio, and I've learned one thing. You don't negotiate with kids. You won't win. I don't win. I've never won with my kids. It's just not worth it. So what I do is I put all my energies into winning at work. That's a great Brilliant. question. So, no, so, how do, so how do we get better then? So how do we, you know, as, as human beings, how do we get better at negotiating? So what are your kind of top tips, Darren? So the first thing is let's understand the difference between haggling and negotiation. So once we've got yeah. those, we're then negotiating. Okay, the next thing on negotiation is preparation. Now, Andrew, what you do or you know others do for preparing for a negotiation is they normally open PowerPoint and start typing. Yeah, they create their slide and their images and the ooh, wah, wah. But here's the thing. PowerPoint is not a negotiation preparation tool. There, I said it. It's yeah, not and, I, I, and I agree. Because when I suppose when I, what I tend to classically see when we're putting people through, um, you know, real play or simulations around negotiation, which I think is quite fascinating, is, is people tend to come from the – when you give them a, a scenario to negotiate – uh, 100% of the time, particularly if they've had no real exposure to, to professional negotiating, they tend to come from their, only from their position. 
So they prepared their position and they're kind of like fairly fixed on that. Um, it normally takes me about a day to knock out the idea that they're going to give their position away because they kind of walk in with their position. This is my position. This is what my boss has agreed. This is how much we're prepared to pay for whatever it is, you know, bang on the table. And it kind of that, you know, for me, you know, it's, it's, it's the biggest kind of no, no um, when we're negotiating. And I think we need to be, I always say to people, we need to try to start to, un, you know, it's, it's, it's back to my, one of my coveyisms, which is, you know, seek to understand before you seek to be understood. So if you understand, if, if you can be lucky enough to get Darren's position or Dr. Anthony's position early part of the conversation, actually, that's really useful to you um, as a negotiator, because you've got basically then you know, a very nice set kind of framework. So I know you have a really cool framework, Darren. Um, perhaps you could share that framework with us. It's very simple. So there's a template available online because we realized a long time ago that people needed a preparation tool, something simple, easy to understand, easy to use. And I'll just draw a part of it here, Andrew, so you can see it's a downloadable free template. And we call it the square dance. We've never quite understood why we call it that, but dosi doing and all that seems to conjure up people. That kind of works for me, Darren. That kind of works for me, yeah. yeah. Sort of does, doesn't it? I mean, you've done a barn dance and so have I. So well, I have. I'm not sure. I th I'm not sure I like it. <laughs> I know, what, are, what are your thoughts on barn dances, um, Dr. Anthony? Any any kind of thoughts on barn dances? Have you ever, ever been took, to a barn dance in South Africa? It, it took the wrong time to negotiate. Let Darren talk. <laughs> i'll do what the man said so there's there's this a4 template we've created download it for free it's all yours and roughly it looks like this what are you hoping for what are you going to walk away with but here's the bit that most people miss apart from preparing what are you prepared to oh inside give and what are you prepared to take? Now, this left and right-hand column are absolutely essential. We call them the grease that keeps the negotiation engine turning. Most people hit a stalemate because they've either declared their position or got someone else's position and can't move forward. These and this help you to keep it moving forward. By completing this simple template, you have confidence in what's going to happen in your negotiation. Sorry, Andrew, no, no, no. I think, I think that's because I was, it's, it's almost my, um, I have a very similar kind of model to you. So I, I always talk about my, my kind of my walk or my walk away price um, yep. when I'm negotiating. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of clear about that in my own, in my head. Um, I have my, um, what I call my Zupa. So my Zupa is my zone of potential agreement. Yeah, and nice. that's basically, you know, and, that, and that, that's basically where I'm, I'm trying to work. And at the bottom of my Zupa, um, I'm I tend to focus on my my kind of walk away price, um, where basically there's no negotiation after that. Obviously, I'm hoping to go more, you know, my, you know, to go to my what I would call my, you know, best available best opportunity. Really, um, yeah. I want to get the most out of the negotiation, but I'm also kind of mindful of a few things. And I suppose the most probably one of the most important things for me is just the relationship when we're negotiating. So I think sometimes there are uh, no, I I, I think. I think there's there's this whole piece around kind of moral, um, you know, standards around negotiation as well. So I even when I'm negotiating in the Friday market around the the Ray Bonds, uh, I still kind of feel that the man who's selling me the Ray Bonds still has to make a living. He has to feed his children. So there's I have a, I have a moral kind of like obligate. I, I don't know. Perhaps everyone else has different values. I think one of the big things I will say to people when I'm working with, particularly helping people to negotiate, is don't believe that you have the same 
value set as Darren or Anthony. I will tell you that my value, my value set is, is my value set. So you don't necessarily know um, what Anthony's value set is or what Darren's value set is or what the person you're negotiating with is. So be, be kind of mindful of that. But I do think it's, there's a, we have a kind of a moral obligation as human beings to make sure that it's a, it's, it's kind of mutual. And for me, a big part of that is developing the relationship because even if you're buying the, the kind of Raybons, it's, it's likely that in the future you might want to buy other Raybons um, or other merchandise from that, 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 that store or that seller. So therefore, it's kind of beneficial to kind of like to build a relationship um, over time. That really kind of helps the negotiation process. So I'd, I'd be kind of keen to hear your thoughts on that. So should we go to Dr. Anthony and ask, um, get your views, Dr. Anthony? No, for me, you know, it's always about the answers in the question. And I believe that when you negotiate at, Number one, don't underestimate the person's values because you don't know their background. And also, as you know, culture plays a vital role. However, if you respect one another and if you have the skill to purely be um, uh, in agreement to ask a question because you will realize the answer is in the question. Because all negotiation starts with how much. And you know when you're prepared to walk away because you're not prepared to go to that deal. So I think it's a give and take as Darren was saying, and I actually can see the square dance happening in my mind uh, in terms of what do you want, when when will you walk away, what will you give, what will you take, and how do you come to agreement? So I actually think it's simplistic, but you know what, Darren, it is powerful. It is. It is. It's very powerful. And, you, and there's only these outcomes. This is all there is. And the one I'd always advocate is win-win. Now, my win yeah. is a bit bigger than your win, but it's still win-win. Because it's, it's also one of the... Um, I'm, I'm... I'm mindful that there's this one of the most powerful human emotions um, and you know it's, it's well worth kind of flagging it here um, and I'm definitely aware of it is just that, that that emotion of revenge so if there's a percept so if I mean that's why I would generally encourage people to avoid positional negotiation because and and that's and particularly right the way through um, right the way through the negotiation because at the end of it even if you kind of say ha I'd have paid you know, 35 bongs for the Ray-Bans or whatever. Um, <laughs> and actually, and, and, and he says, well, I would have sold them for like 22 bongs. Then you're basically, you're, you're kind of setting that kind of like um, that revenge thing going. And so because people want to then in the future kind of claw that money back. Now you could say, well, it doesn't matter because I'm in the Friday market and I'm just going, I'm never going to see the guy again. It doesn't really matter. But I still feel that there's a, it's important that you never ever kind of show your position and one of the biggest reasons for that is revenge. Because if, 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 I, if I feel that I've, I've lost to you um, in some way, it doesn't matter what it is, then actually I'm probably going to trigger that very, very powerful emotion. Um, thoughts on that? You're a psychologist, Dr. Anthony. Um, thoughts on kind of revenge as a, as a powerful motivator? It is a motivator. I mean, because the thing is, what is the underlying factor under the revenge? And I can tell you now, when it comes to money and to negotiation, often it is greed. And that's why people actually turn into revenge because actually what was the real reason? Because maybe there's a conscious and the subconscious. In the subconscious was greed. And he doesn't even know he's being steered by it. And therefore, their reaction is revenge. Yeah. So, I, so um, Darren, any kind of thoughts on, um, on revenge and how we avoid revenge in, in negotiation? Well, I'm going to flip it a slightly different way and answer, hopefully, hopefully still answer your question. There's a fantastic video online. It's animated. It's of a guy drawing. I think it's by Robert Cialdini. It's about six laws of persuasion. One of them is, yeah, it's really, really important for negotiation. And there's a piece that he shows in it around the power of common ground. 
And in yeah. his example, it says it can be really simple. It might be you like crisps and I like crisps. So I'll bring that to life as a real life example. We're in Tenerife recently and my son Jack is buying a pair of Ray-Bons. And I'm moaning about how hot it is because you know, I'm British. That's, that's my right. And the guy behind says, you ought to uh, know what it's like in Senegal, where I'm from. It's 49 degrees. We had a two, three minute chat about how hot it was. He thought it was cold. I thought it was hot. And Jack got a better deal because of it. Common ground is really important in negotiation, no matter how small. Yeah, I, I would agree. I completely agree with you. I mean, I think, I think actually it's, it's building the relationship. And if you, you can do that, and it's and again, it's it's that it's you know back to kind of mutual interest, really. Because I think that's a that's a really really important point. You know, it's it's kind of you know what I would call mutual gains. So yep. the more that we kind of both feel that we that's that's in in, in Darren's scenario that that's the win win, right? So you know, Darren walks away from it, and I walk away from it, and we both kind of feel that we've won. That's called collaboration. So there's that kind of seek that we're we're seeking kind of mutual gains. Um, from our negotiation, as opposed to Darren wins, I lose, he lets me know that I've lost, and that kind of triggers that emotion of kind of revenge, and I want to get back on him. So next time, I, and it, it probably significantly damages my relationship. So how do we basically explore those mutual gains, um, Darren? What are your thoughts on that? Well, the, the, you asked me, how do you be a better negotiator? The next thing I'd share is this one. I'm just going to do one more drawing, unless you ask me to draw a butterfly or something, which will go horribly wrong. Oh, we'd like to see a butterfly, I think. We'd much prefer to see a butterfly. Is this one. Next time. <laughs> so, well, so I'm going to put an eye at the end of this, just to create a mnemonic. So this is the next part that we need to understand to be a better negotiator. These are the four stages of negotiation. Now, if you were to research online, you'll see four, five, six, seven stages. But let's not make it too complicated. The bit that most people skip is the second one, explore. They go straight yeah. into their position, trying to negotiate on price, hit and stalemate. It's all gone wrong. We escalate it. The second stage of negotiation is explore. Ask a million questions to understand their position, understand them, understand what they want. And I'll give you a short example. So many years ago, I was looking for a new car. I'm on the forecourt of a car dealership. And I'm looking at a lovely two-seater red sports car. The guy comes over, jabbers in my ear, one vicar owner, 20,000 miles, blah, 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 blah. But he never stopped to ask me one question. I've got three kids. I'm looking for an SUV. The fact I'm dribbling over this sports car, I'm never going to buy it. So what he should have done is started with the second stage, which is E, explore and find out what i need and that's you know that's that's my um that is my kind of one of my top tips of being successful in life genuinely one of my top tips of being successful in life because people often say you know what you you know what i don't know why they ask me that question by the way um just as a point of point, <laughs> but, but they often i do get asked particularly by um graduates or undergraduates i do a lot of work with universities and they they're often very curious particularly around my i find it fascinating they, they seem to be fascinated by my job title and they because i think everyone wants to be it whatever my job title is at the time they all seem to want to be that and so they asked me the question you know so you know what wh what's the kind of uh, they always ask me well what are the hacks stocks you know what are the you know what are the kind of like what are the cheap ways what's the fast way to success and i'm like a i don't think i'm very successful but b I think there are no hacks. I think there's no kind of like, there's no kind of shortcuts. I think there's only really hard work. But I do, but I always say to people, and it's back to your point, Darren, that in my mind, if I understand what other people need from me and I'm able to give them what they, they need 
actually you can almost write your own check. So I think that's that's exploring, you know, in, in that kind of relationship, you're exploring what people need from you. And it doesn't matter if you're a barista, if you, you know, if you're working in a restaurant, if you're working as cab, whatever, whatever role you have. And it definitely applies in negotiation because when you can understand what their needs are and then you can match their needs against your product. And then, of course, you're going to there's that kind of magic word that I would use, which is yes. So. You know, you, you ask them to explain what they're looking for from the sunglasses or the car or the bag or the holiday or the flight or whatever it might be. And then you listen and you listen and you're sort of paraphrasing and summarizing as you're kind of listening to and having that conversation. And then, of course, the real trick is then to match what you've heard. Right. And as you're matching those needs with your solution, then kind of seeking that magic three letter word, which is yes. Because if you do, if you get lots of yeses, so if I'm selling down the pen and I'm getting lots of yeses, what effectively happens then is I get the yes, 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 yes. When I get to, you know, the final kind of like down, so do you want to buy the pen or do you want to buy the holiday? If he kind of, it's, it's actually back to Caldini and the six kind of like, you know, the, the six sort of like facts of influence. If you want that book, guys, just uh, ping me a, a DM and I can send you a copy of the book. I'd be delighted to do that. But if, if, if basically at that point, if he said yes 17 times, because I've done a really good job listening to his needs and I've matched my product against his needs, it's almost impossible for him to say no. And if he does say no, then I'm basically then, you know, overcoming those objections by kind of saying, by doing more exploratory work. My point here, it's a very long point, but if I make a, if I really understand what Darren needs from about the pen, or what Dan needs about the red sports car or the, the vehicle or the holiday. And I then, you know, make a really great compelling argument with my, with how I'm matching against those needs. He's not going to really have any objections. He's just going to get his wallet out and buy the car, right? Or buy the holiday. So um, any, any thoughts on this, um, Dr. Anthony? I just think what you're doing is saying exactly the way that it works, because the thing is, it's a process. Everything in life, you know, the marriage is a process. It's a process in terms of how life works. Because A uh, becomes for B, B in front of C, and there's a sequence A, B, C. And think if you're out of process, you want to jump from A to C, and you will never know what the value was of B. And what you've described is knowing what you are wanting, and this, like, what is your wish, and what you're prepared to walk away with. I think that fell right into that square dance that Darren just explained to us. Yeah, I think it's it's a really good um it's a really good point. Um, anything you'd like to kind of add there, um, Dan? I'm kind of putting some top tips up on the screen as we're sort of speaking here. But but um, Dan, any kind of additional um, yeah. kind of thoughts or? Let's come back to what you said in relation to Pepsi. So we've got four stages of our negotiation, our structure: prepare, where we use the square dance up here; explore. So these two, I cross them out because most people jump to stage three and wonder why they hit stalemate. Once you've prepared and explored, you then propose and summarize. The I is just to make it an acronym. But they're the four stages of negotiation. And it's something that people need to understand when they're negotiating to almost look up like a meerkat and think, OK, where am I now? I'm in the proposal stage. OK, these are the behaviors I need to exhibit. I, I, and I, I always say to people, you know, when you when you do get some agreement on something, it's almost like particularly when you're when it's very very complex negotiation i would say when you when you've got a, a piece where maybe 30 or 40 areas where you need to where you kind of need to agree but each time you get 
um, some broad agreement on something. It's almost like taking that away from the negotiation, sort of putting it over to the right. And then you're kind of moving on the other 29 things you're sort of negotiating. Right. So, and then slowly, so let's, and then kind of going back to, so we've agreed on these five things. Let's do a quick recap on, on the five things that we've basically agreed so far. And then basically let's move on to the sixth and seventh thing um, that we need to agree with. That's really, um, I think that's fantastic advice. But I think you're right. People just go, you know, they go straight in and they also, they, I, I do a really fun activity with, um, I, don't, I, I don't have a pen um, to hand. Uh, yeah, well, I, have, I do have a pen, it's here, you know. And often in, in works, I sort of throw a pen at someone and I say, you know, sell me the pen. And they just start talking about the pen. They don't even, they don't dream of kind of like finding out what's of interest to me, finding a little bit about who I am, you know, what would be important about the pen. They just throw the pen at me and they, they say, oh, well, this is a lovely pen. You know, it's, it's, it's exquis exquisitely made, yada, yada, yada. I have no, no, I don't care if it's exquisitely made. That's not, that's not one of my needs. So therefore, you've almost kind of like broken the relationship before you start. If that, if that makes, um, yeah, it makes sense. Can I me there, Darren? Isn't it just about the connection? You know, because if there's something that Stotts is very good with, is actually to make the connection, the engagement with the person before he tries to sell anything, whether it be a dream or a purpose. Uh, and I think that connection plays a role. Well, I think so too. So you can tell I'm in a habit of writing these things, but I'm just going to do it because I think it will be interesting. There's a, a fantastic equation called the trust equation. Uh, not ours, one that's uh, certainly in public knowledge. And what we need to create there is trust. Dr. Anthony, you're absolutely right. We've got to create trust. And trust is based on four parts. Credibility, reliability, and intimacy. But all that can be killed if you're too self-orientated. So there's four parts to this murky trust relationship thing. So credibility, if you guys ask me about negotiation, you'd expect to have a decent answer, and I hope I am. Reliability, if you ask me to do something and I do it, unreliable intimacy is back to our common ground i know a little bit about you you know a little bit about me but if i just waffle on about myself trust is gone and and trust i think is the most is you know is probably the most fragile thing because you know you can't can't really recover it and i and i i suppose the the my my kind of final kind of like tip really for this session is really about um you know believing that their problem is their problem because actually in a negotiation we that whatever that problem is it's a shared problem we should be seeking a kind of mutual agreement to solve the problem i think too often in negotiation um i've experienced i see people just saying well that's not my problem that's your problem you know and of course that's not really going to help the negotiation at all if i just kind of like throw my hands up and say well i don't really care that's your problem my my you know this is my position i'm fixed um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm showing. It. I mean, I was, I was, I was kind of mindful of a uh, when, when we're talking about negotiation. I always had this lovely story um, when my, my my son was about two and a half years old. I'd taken him swimming, and when I'd taken him swimming, it was you know like any sort of like two and a half year old. It was a uh, you get you, they get cold and they want to they get hungry and they don't want to have a shower and they just want to have chips or whatever. So I remember sort of like getting him out of the pool, taking him downstairs. You know, he was kind of kicking and screaming. He didn't want to leave the pool. It was freezing cold. But it's in the UK, so it's not in um, not in the Middle East where we live now. Freezing cold, somewhere in suburban, and it, you know, and he's he's kicking off, and all I'm trying, to, I'm br basically bribing him with the idea that he's going to get some chips and some nuggets at the end of the uh, the experience. I'm a I'm a very bad father, but anyway, let's move on from that. And so we're, so, but then, but, but my point here is that I was then listening to a conversation that was happening um, in a cubicle next to me. So a similar father um, with a similar age child. 
And then the father basically, you know, went back to kind of positioning. And he basically said these more these kind of immortal words, which have never ever left my mind. If you don't get in the shower and get dressed, we are never coming swimming again. Yeah. And as he said that, I thought, you have just lost. Because at some point, um, unless he really doesn't want his, you know, maybe puts his life in, you know, his son's life in danger by not teaching him to swim. But at some point in the future, he's gonna have to take his son swimming, right? And at that point, the child will know that the behavior that he's been exhibiting is basically gonna work because he can still get his own way. So I'm curious to, um, there must be something psychological about that. Well, what is the, what, why do children do that, Dr. Anthony? Uh, it's because it's a lack of consequence management in parenting. And that is that if the child understands the consequence before the time, they will actually change their behavior. It's because we actually want to please them. We want to win their favor because we're scared they'll stop loving us. But if we do consequence management, that's true love. Yeah, it's, 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 it's actually amazing. Um, uh, Darren, any kind of final thoughts? I'm conscious we're almost at the end of our little, um, show today. I think we've done some really, I think it's been quite an, very fascinating, actually, very, very fascinating conversation. Any kind of final thoughts? I think one of the toughest parts of negotiation that we don't teach is the follow-up. Once we get the deal, so we're at stage four, where we've summarised, everyone's agreed, then we walk away and the deal falls apart because we think we've summarised, but we haven't really done it very well, is follow-up and adding consequences. So if you don't deliver it by Monday, what happens? The invoice goes up by 2%. Adding those conditions and consequences are really important to achieve adherence to the deal you think you've got. No, I think that's a, that's a really, really good point. I think one of the... I think people are sometimes afraid to ask for the deal as well. I've, I've seen that a lot. I mean, people are get, they generally get fairly terrified. Why do you think people are so scared about asking for the deal, um, Anthony, particularly when we're negotiating? Fear of failure. No one likes to fail. It's the rejection. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's kind of, I suppose it's, it's the rejection, right? I, and it's, I, I think that's half the battle because I've, I've, I've done a great job in, you know, in, matching, in listening and understanding what the needs are. I'm kind of matching it. I've done such a good job with my needs analysis. That I'm doing really good now matching of those needs. And I've, I've pretty much won't have any objections to overcome. And then unfortunately, time and time and time again, I see negotiators basically then kind of walk away without kind of setting a time frame. So I think it's worth just kind of recapping what you were just saying then, Darren, about, you know, setting a, like a, a timeline um, for next steps. It is. Um, and also the reason we struggle is because it's conflict. Negotiation is conflict. Haggling is conflict. And let's not make any bones about it. Conflict is hard. So what we need to do is get to stage four where we summarize the deal. And then what we're doing is adding conditions or consequences, which we discuss as part of the negotiation. The negotiation is not over. If we don't achieve X, Y, and Z that's in the deal that we have said we would, then what do we do? Yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, it's actually fantastic. Um, let's just go back to um, let's just go back to our, our five. Quick, we have a we have a kind of question. Um, incredibly grateful and such an informative conversation, um, Dr. Anthony and, and and Darren Smith. Amazing today. Um, really enjoyed talking to you about this this topic and this question. Just, just to remind you guys, we've been talking today about you know how can I be a better negotiator, and of course. Um, you know, I, we, we love your questions. You've had it on the ticker going below there. We, so we love your questions. But if you're listening to a recording or you're listening to us live, um, let us know. Um, I know that Darren and Anthony and definitely myself, very responsive to those questions. So if you have anything you'd like to know, if you want to know more about negotiation or some of the tools that Darren has in his toolkit, um, or know more about how kind of we can help you with negotiation, please kind of feel free to kind of reach out. We do, of course, have a 
a magical kind of like time machine um, in the in the weird human podcast. So um, I so here's the here's the question. So if I had my we're kind of like let's crank it up. Let's crank up the time machine. And we're going to go back then to um, when you were 18. So probably about, was it 2000 for you? Year 2000, Darren? Eight, you were 18, 2000? Uh, probably a bit less, maybe 20. <laughs> so when were, I'm, I'm curious, actually, when were you 18? What, what, what year were you 18? Uh, uh, let's see, you were born in 1971. So what was that, 1980? Nine. Oh, you're eighties. You're eighties child. Eighties. So you you were you were like you were living your best time in your when you were uh, when you in the in the mid eighties. Oh, oh, I mean Tony Hadley, Gold. All wow. Time. Yeah, wow. Adamant. Oh. Oh, beautiful. So I've just I've got my I've got my war paint on. I've got my jacket. I've actually got one of those jackets. It's really cool. Um, I've got my jacket. Um, I'm basically like you know bopping away to wham you know wake me up before you go go i won't sing it for you um and we kind of like we're, we're in a in a bar somewhere and when i've taken you back to meet um the 18 year old darren um yep. darren kind of um what advice would you um would you offer oh on negotiation or just generally just on life my friend just on life okay well when i was working at a diy store so my advice is when you hold the six foot piece of wood and your colleague with the standing knife cuts it from top to bottom and gives you 80 stitches. Ouch. Uh, yeah. that, that's really painful. And, and, I, and I come back, so that's, that's, is, that, is that it? Just be careful when you're holding bits of wood so you don't get you, you slice, you have your hands sliced. It's only advice for me because I can't... Was it, was it being your home base? Was it being your home base is what I want to know. It was home base. I can't believe the idiot stood at the top and went to the bottom. By the time he got to the bottom, my thumb was on his head. Oh, now you're actually talking to um, Dr. Anthony, who is also the dubious kind of privilege of being shot. Um, so I, I, that was one that was kind of his opening kind of gambit when I first met Dr. Anthony. Um, he's telling me about being shot. And we had a, like a, a great conversation about what it felt like to be shot. Um, but what Dr. Anthony is, is really gifted at is kind of writing a, an acronym or a mnemonic um, of kind of negotiation. So um, very, very keen to kind of hear um, what that is. So let me just put my last point up and then I'm going to get ready with my keyboard now um, to, to type. Um, he's kind of like, he's, he's kind of like, I think we're on negotiation today, aren't we, um, Dr. Anthony? So what's your, um, what's your acronym today? Okay, it, it will be the word negotiate. The end will be for nerve, because let's face it, you need to have the nerve to follow through because you're nervous in starting off to negotiate anyway. Then the E, it's all about the expectation that you actually get into, because like Darren said, it's what do you wish for, but when are you prepared to walk away? So the expectation needs to be bottled up. Then the G is for God. Guard yourself from judging the situation. Guard yourself from judging the person because you're not going to get anywhere if you actually judge them uh, beforehand. The O, outcome. If you are not negotiating with an outcome based in mind, you, that means you're actually just messing around and you're hacking. You're not negotiating. The T, the T is for talking. Now, we understand that you either take or you don't because there's give and there's take. So remain talking, otherwise you are not negotiating. Because when the person turns around and walks away and not, not talking, you're not negotiating anymore. The I is interest. Be involved in their interest. Don't just go for positioning of what your position is. It's taking an interest in the person, taking an interest of the process that is taking place. The A, the key is agreement. Because when you can actually get to agreement, you are negotiating with a purpose that actually did work. The T, tango. Because that's a square dance template that Darren was speaking about. 
go for the tango because you want to make sure when you negotiate, you go for the squig dance template and you put it to work. And then lastly, the E, efficiency. If you've learned today how to negotiate better, make sure that you're efficient next time when you do negotiate. That's me. That is um, actually awesome. I've got to ask you, um, do you, do you tango? Um, do, you, do, you, do either of you tango? I, I just love it. Is it, is it um, it's sense of a woman, isn't it? I love the, uh, I love the scene in sense of a woman where they're kind of like, is it tango? Is, I think it is a tango, isn't it? Tango is good. Tango is sort of facing off, but rumba is better. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, now, now I'm, now I'm ashamed. I, I'll probably do the, uh, I can do a bit of a uh, disco, you know. Back to the 80s, I used to break dance. Does that count? Oh, my gosh. You don't fancy showing us a bit of break dancing now, do you, Darren? Oh, if only there was the time. <laughs> and, and on that devastating, devastating news, um, just final, just a massive thank you to everyone who listens to us. Um, we really, really appreciate it. Um, my, my, my beautiful, very, very incredible friend, um, Darren Smith from Sticky Learning. Um, if you need anything from Darren, just reach out and ask him. Um, you can obviously leave your details, direct, direct message him, or you can basically, you know, he got some brilliant cards. Um, I've been collaborating with him around some fantastic service cards recently. So, yeah, so make sure you kind of, and I want, I need those cards because I want to be um, plugging them um, to my team. I was, I was talking to a bank a couple of days ago and they were fascinated by the uh, by that concept. We're talking about customer service. There's an idea for a, um, a question. Um, Dr. Anthony, um, I love you, my friend, as always. Um, speak to you all guys very, very soon. Um, take care. Stay safe thank out you, there. Thank you, Dr. Thank you, Darren. Bye. Thank you, Stay care.